We are in the second week of a series called Bless. Thank you. And he laid the groundwork really of this whole series of where we're going to be about blessing our neighbors. And if you did not get a chance to view that message, I really encourage you to go back and watch that at some point this week. You can find that at allshores.org slash bless, along with all the other resources we're going to be pushing towards you guys these next few weeks. Um, resources for journaling as we walk through these different acronyms. Um, resources for your, your, your kids, if your families, you have a bunch of resources here. And you're going to be hearing this every single week of the series, and I'm glad that I get to be one of the first ones to say this, so you're not going to be annoyed with me, because you're going to hear that allshores.org allshores.org slash thank you guys go there this week um, you can see all the different messages as we walk through this but for those of you who weren't here pete laid out um, where we're gonna be heading here this this acrostic of blessing your neighbors all these different tools so we begin with prayer we listen to them we eat together we serve each other and we share your story so these are all different tools that we can use together as a church as we bless those around us and specifically today, as we start with beginning with prayer, I'm really excited to share this because it is a cornerstone in blessing those around us. And I want to point out here that it's not just prayer, it's beginning with prayer. It's important that we start here with prayer. And for the longest time, I, I, had, a, I had a very simplistic view of praying for others. It was something that I did when I thought it would be the right thing to do, and I'm going to risk it again and try to use the, the, the TV in a risky way. I'm going to try to draw on it because I, I God. Pete makes it a lot, look a lot easier than it actually is. Because I told myself if I ever got the chance to draw on this TV, I would. So I got to draw on the TV. But I made a very complicated graph for you to show you what my prayer life was like. This was how much I, I didn't pray for others. And down here, it was the frequency in which I said, I'll be praying for you. Now, my line went something like this. And then I remembered I said that to about 10 people, so I'd pray for all of them at once, and then I'd forget again for, for years and years to come. I don't know if you guys can relate to this, but I thought when, when someone was pouring out their heart to me and saying, this is what's going on in my life, my mind was rattling with, oh, goodness, how should I respond to this? My, my palms are sweaty. I'm kind of freaking out a little bit. And I know the right Christian thing to do is say, I'll be praying for you. So that's what I say. But then I, I don't pray for them. That was my idea of praying for others for the longest time. And that didn't change until about a year ago when we were, we were diving into a 21 days of prayer and fasting season as a church in January. And I separated it out perfectly into three weeks, 21 days, three weeks. And I was going to pray for different groups each week. I was going to start off with my family, then my friends, then the students in my ministry. And I'm going to be honest with you guys. I thought everyone was going to be so blessed by my prayers I thought they were going to just have a life-changing experience because of the way that I was praying for them. And I did not get past a single day without God working on my heart first. He was changing me in the middle of that, that praying time. The last person I expect to be blessed by my prayers, which was me. So God was working in me and through me at the same time. And that kind of opened up this idea that, that prayer is like a breath. You know, we breathe in, we breathe out, we breathe in oxygen, we breathe out carbon dioxide. It's two actions in one. And that's a very similar way that we look at prayer. It's two prayers in one. The first is, God, what work are you doing in me, and how do I join in that? And then secondly, the out-breath is, what work are you doing around me, and how do I join? And Pete laid this out last week. This is the same, same idea of saying, Holy Spirit, how can I bless blank right now? This is the prayer that we're going to be kind of coming back to all series long. But this is that breath of saying, God, what are you doing in me? What are you doing around me? How do I join in on how you're blessing people around me? What part do I have to play in that? 
So you're like, okay, I get this. We're, we're praying for others. Why don't we just pray now, get us to lunch, and the service now? Why do we have to start here? Why is it so important that we begin with prayer? If our end goal is to share our story and to bless our neighbors, why don't we just start with eating together? Everyone loves the eating together stuff. Why don't we just start with, with, with serving each other? Why do we have to start here? And I, I started something during quarantine, in the early stages of the quarantine, that I'm still not super proud of. Um, the people that were doing this thing before quarantine, I actively spoke against. I said, this does not make sense. I question your sanity. But I started to run for fun. And now I look forward to running, and it makes me happy, and I find a lot of joy in it. But I learned something very quickly about running. If I prepare well for running, if I eat a well-balanced meal, salads, proteins, and I flu fluidize, I fluidize myself, I drink the right amount of fluids, it's going to have a better impact on my run. I'm going to feel better afterwards, my recovery is going to be a lot smoother, and I'm going to be able to run farther and be happier when I run. On the flip side, I learned that if I eat a Crunchwrap Supreme from Taco Bell before my run, and I, when I say before, I mean like 10 minutes before my run, things are not going to go well for me. There's going to be a very, very pressing issue that I'm going to have to deal with about 10 minutes into that run that needs to be dealt with pronto. And I have to switch this because I'm going to get tempted again. But if I, if I prepare poorly for my run, it's going to negatively impact me on that run. And the recovery is going to be worse, and I'm not going to be able to run as far. The same thing is true with prayer. This is why we begin with prayer, because if we truly believe that God's called us to bless our neighbors and those around us are waiting for us, God's, God's going to use us to bless those people, we should want to maximize the impact that we have. And to do that, we have to start with prayer. Because if we start with anything besides God's will and God's agenda, it's going to minimize the impact that we can have with them. So we can start with something else on our own, but if we want to have the maximum impact in blessing our neighbors, that's why we start with prayer. And we see this with the scripture, um, the story in scripture that we're going to turn to this morning. And if you're unfamiliar with, with the story of, of Saul or, or Paul, they're the same person. Paul is, is one who wrote most of the New Testament. Saul was the man he was before Paul. And we're picking up with Saul um, in this story when he's, he's a famous Jewish religious leader in the time who, who was persecuting Christians. He, he would oversee executions. He'd throw Christians in jail. And that's what he was famous for during this time. And where we pick up in this story, he is on his way to a city called Damascus to do exactly that, to persecute the Christians in that city. Um, but he interacts with the, the resurrected Jesus in a blinding light, and it changes the course of his life forever. That's when he gets the name changed to Paul. He starts traveling around the early church world, changing churches. He writes most of the New Testament that we read today. But it took that one interaction, and it changed his life. And that's where we pick up in the story today. So Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So the men traveling with Saul led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. So I want you to picture Saul in this moment. He's blind, he's hungry, he's thirsty, he's waiting. He, he doesn't know how long he's waiting for, but it's been three days at this point. He's probably scared. Now, do you have a Saul in your life? Someone who's blind to the truth, that they're putting their trust in the wrong things Someone who's hungry for a satisfaction that doesn't come from the material world. Someone who's thirsty for, for a real joy or a real peace that comes from that one interaction with Jesus. Someone who's scared, someone who's waiting. Do you have a Saul? And some of you, before I even mention Saul's name, you already had someone pop into your head this morning, or you've been praying for them already for years, and you have that person in your life. 
And to give you an illustration of this, our, our camera operators in the back of the room have been trained to keep me in their camera angle. So if I walk a little bit this way, they're going to follow me. If I walk this way, they're going to follow me too. Because the, the people who are watching online, those of you who watch the screen here in Spring Lake, you want to know where this voice is coming from. I'm on the stage, I'm in your camera angle, so you are in, you're locked into my voice coming out of this microphone. And that's, that's those of you who have a soul in your life. You pray for them regularly, you know who they are, they're on your stage, they're in your life. But there's some of you who do not know who this Saul person would be in your life. Now, camera operators don't do what you're trained to do. That would be as if you heard a voice, but on your screen, you don't see anything. These are the people in your life who are on, on your stage, they're in your life, you interact with them frequently, but if you're looking at the wrong screen, if you're not looking on the stage, you're not going to see this person. And I, I don't say this to make you feel guilty if you didn't have someone pop in your head. I'm saying it's okay if your step today is just simply to start praying, God, open my eyes to the people around me that you want me to bless. God, break my heart for, for whose heart you're breaking is for. God, I want to see the people on my stage. If that's your first step today, I applaud that. Because if we become a church of people who pray that prayer regularly, I believe that our camera angles will be widened to see a stage full of people that God wants to use us to bless. So don't, don't feel like if you don't have a Saul today, you're, you're, you're not in the right line. You're not walking in alignment with God. It's okay if you don't see that. But our next step is to start praying that God would show us those people. And whether you, you know your Saul or not, the cool thing about this is that God wants to use you. God loves to use his people to reach his people. And we see that with the way that God uses another person to reach this Saul, this one who, who is just blinded by the light and is waiting and is scared and is hungry and thirsty. And I'm going to do this a little differently. I'm just going to read for you the rest of the story because it's a little longer, so I'm not going to have to flip through this, this scary TV that I'm now afraid of. <laughs> but I'm just going to read from Acts 9 the rest of the story so you can just listen or follow along yourself. So verse 10 says, In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, I, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he's done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and to their kings and to their people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. So the only thing we get about this man named Ananias is that he was a disciple. Now, this wasn't one of Jesus' 12 disciples during his life on earth. This is simply saying a follower of Christ. So this isn't Ananias the pastor or the evangelist or, or the, the powerful leader in the church. This is just an everyday follower of Christ. And we can tell by this conversation, it's safe to assume that he is a prayer. He has this conversation with God. But then we also get that this man, Saul, has been praying. Saul has a vision. So this now tells us that this is a divine interaction between these two people. God was already working. And he wasn't waiting on Ananias' yes to start working in Saul's life. He was already working to begin with. 
And Jesus says this in, in the Gospel of John. He says, my father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. So when this comes to how we bless our neighbors, it's important to, to realize God is already working in our lives and the lives of those around us, and he's simply asking us to join in on what he's doing. Now, I'm a planner, and I love to know what to expect. And if I don't see a next step in my plan, I usually adjust my plan so I can find the next step. And I realized this in a very real way a few years ago when we were preparing to head down to, to our summer camp in Indiana with our students. And before weeks like this, we, we regularly pray through the list of students by name. And we were doing this as a team, and I'd gone through three or four times on the list, and there's this one student's name that was continuing to stick out to me. And I knew a bit of her story. I knew, knew where she was coming from. And I, I just felt like, man, this could be a really big week for her. So I started praying, praying specifically, God, would you change her life this week? Would you change her life? And I felt like God was saying, yeah, I'm going to. I was like, sweet. That's going to be cool. That'll be fun. So we got to camp, and I was keeping my eyes on her the whole time, like making sure she was engaging the way that I think she should engage if she was going to have a life-changing week. But I didn't see it. During group time, she wasn't really sharing. During worship, she wasn't really engaging. So that's when I took matters in my own hands and started to walk with my plan. I started saying, okay, God, I don't see the way that you're going to do this, so I'm just going to do it myself now. So during group time, I would, I would specifically ask her questions, try to pull questions out of, or answers out of her that I think would be beneficial for her. And during worship, and I'm not proud of this one, but during worship, I'd stand like right next to her and I'd make very dramatic arm motions and like look at her through my armpits and wait for her to respond. But I still did not see anything um, I know youth ministry is a very manipulative thing, trust me. But I did not see the response that I was expecting from her for life-changing week. So by the end of the week, I just finally said, okay, God, if, if you're just planting a seed this week, that's awesome. I'm glad I could play a part of it. But the last night of camp, in true camp fashion, they offer up the, the salvation message to anyone who wants to receive it for the first time. And, you know, the music's set, the, the people are crying, there's middle schoolers punching each other in the back of the room, and then they count down like, three, two, one, if you just accepted Christ for the first time, jump up out of your seat, we want to celebrate it, confetti cannons are going off, everyone's emotional, and in the chaos, I'm like looking to find all my students, see who's responding, and I look over, and here's this student that I did not see any response from, jumping up out of her seat, receiving Christ. And, and there's a whole mess of emotions going on in me at the moment. Half of me is like bawling on the inside because I'm like, I'm so proud of you. This is awesome. But half of me is like, where in the world does this come from? Like, I did not see this coming. And, and oh, later, later on in the night, I went over and talked to her and kind of asked her that. Well, first I congratulated her and did the youth pastor thing. Like, so proud of you. We're walking along this journey, encouraging you. But then I'm also like, please tell me, how'd you get here? Like, what, what, was, the, what was the journey for you? And she said, you know, it was, it was all the little things. She started describing moments during the week where she felt God's presence. It was during the game time. It was during free time where nothing was planned, nothing was going on, where she said, I saw joy in the people that I was with, and I said, I wanted that. And she realized later on in the week that that was Jesus. She's like, that's why I did it. That's why I made this decision. So it, it was all the places that I was not looking for that God was moving. I couldn't plan that. I was just simply trying to work with my own plan that I was... I was, I was so busy doing that that I missed the way that God was moving and asking me to join in that. So I tell this story to, to ask myself and ask you as a church, why in the world would we try to plan our own way of blessing those around us if God's already at work and he's asking us to join? Sure, we, we can do our own thing. We can invite others over to eat. We can, we can listen to them. We can take all these action steps. But why would we want to do our own thing and our own plan if God, the perfect faithful God is already working in the lives of those around us and he's asking us to join in what he's doing. 
Because his plan is good. His plan is far beyond what we can imagine, and he's asking us to join in on that. So, so God tells Ananias, hey, here's my plan. I want you to join in the work that I'm doing with this guy named Saul. And Ananias' response is like, ah, I've heard about this man. Like, I, you, want me to, you want me to go to his house and pray for him? I don't know, God. And reading this now, we're like, Ananias, man, like, he's, he's his chosen instrument. Like, you better go to that house and pray for this man. God's telling you. But if we, if we put it in the context of, of our own lives, it's like saying that neighbor across the street that, that lets his dog do his business on your lawn and deliberately leaves it there and makes you really want to just shovel it up and shovel it on his doorstep. That neighbor, God wants you to pray for him? No, 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 no. God, you got the wrong person. Or, or that coworker that sits across from you that eats, eats her salad like a wild llama, Sloppy Susan. You want me to pray for Sloppy Susan? You want me to invite Sloppy Susan over to my house to have a salad at my house? God, you can use someone else to reach Sloppy Susan. Or that person that is on the complete opposite side of moral and political and life values. God, you want me to pray and reach them? You want to use me to reach them? No, God, not me. You can use someone else, I'm sure. So now Ananias' response seems a little bit more something up our alley. But here's the thing about, about reaching those around us. And now this is, this is Paul writing later on in the Bible, guy who once was Saul. Now Paul, he says, Now glory be to God, who by his mighty power at work within us is able to do far more than we would ever dare to ask or even dream of, infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, or hopes. You see, a lot of times the Sauls on our stage, the Sauls in our life, aren't going to be people that we're super pumped to pray for or to reach or to spend time with. They might be scary. They might just be uncomfortable. But the nice part is, and the comforting thing about this all, we are not responsible for saving them. Jesus did that on the cross. That's taken care of. And now all God's asking us to do is, hey, start with prayer. Because I can do so much more than what you can even dream of. So when we think of the people in our life that, like, it does not make sense for me to even spend time praying for this person. God can do so much more with that prayer than you can even dream of. God works beyond our prayers, and that's why we start there. That should be a comforting sentence for those of you who are scared to even think about sharing the gospel. For those of you who think, like, I don't even know what words to say. God works beyond it. You don't have to worry about it. The Holy Spirit guides and is speaking in the middle of our words when we speak these things. He works beyond it, and especially when we start with prayer. He works in a way that we can't even imagine. We can't put words to things like that. So Ananias, he, he says, okay, God, I, I get it. I'll go. So he says, then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, brother Saul. Now, it's that one word that clues us into something really important here. You don't call a man brother if you're, if you're fearful for your life around this man. Someone that you distrust, you do not call brother. But now here's Ananias who was just doing that, the verse before this. He was saying, I don't know, God, like, I, I'm scared of this man. I don't trust him. Now he's laying his hands and I'm praying for him, saying, Brother Saul. So now we see God used Ananias to heal Saul. He, he worked through Ananias to heal him. But Ananias changed in the middle of it too. His heart was transformed in the middle of this because of his prayers. So God was working both through Ananias and in Ananias at the same time. So when we begin in prayer, not only does God work beyond us, but he works within us at the same time. 
this is what I experienced in January during that 21 days. I thought, man, people are going to be so blessed by my prayers. He's going to work beyond my prayers. And I was so blindsided by the fact that God was working within me at the same time. It didn't make sense to my brain to wrap my brain around that how God can do both at once. But that's the thing that he does because he wants to use you to reach others. He works on you at the same time. And I want to land us on, on these three words at the beginning of this, this passage. Then Ananias went. Because, you know, we can pray and we can pray and we can pray and we can pray and we can pray. But the, the salad does not lace up my shoes and get me out the door to run. The fuel I put in my car does not turn the key and press the gas pedal. If we start with prayer, that's where we should start. But that is not the action step to bless our neighbors. So we start with prayer, but the action doesn't stop there. Because Ananias still had to go to the house and pray for Saul. So as, as, we, as we understand what it means to bless our neighbors, we have to realize that we have an action step to, to play here. And this should be something that we have an urgency in our hearts to do. Because that, that student that I was telling you about earlier that was jumping out of her seat, receiving Christ, she passed away unexpectedly this past April. And as I was preparing for the funeral, I was reading, reading the texts um, that we'd shared over the years. And I came back to the one after camp for this year. And, and I, I do this regularly with, with camps. I reach out to our students who made decisions, and I just congratulate them, um, tell them, like, this is the best decision you ever made. We're walking on this journey together now. And I told her the story about how, how I prayed for her life to be changed before it even happened. And, and her response is now ingrained in my heart, and it changes the way that I view prayer for others for the rest of my life. She said, going to camp was the best decision I ever made. It changed my life forever. Thank you for praying for that. So this may sound dramatic, it may sound intense, but we begin with prayer and we, we should have a heart to bless our neighbors because their eternity is at stake. Those around us that are on our stage, that are in front of us every single day, God wants to work through you. He wants you to be a part of their story that changes their life forever. And that one text continues to be a reminder that, hey, I don't just pray for people when I say, oh, I'll be praying for you. But this is something that needs to be ingrained in our hearts if we truly want to bless those around us, if we truly feel that call that we are to make disciples of all nations. Everyone on our stage is another chance for God to use us in their story. But this isn't something that we're on, we're on our journey alone. To center back, we, we have a God who works beyond us. We are not responsible for every single action of saving power in their lives. God works within us. He changes us. He changes the way that we view the world around us. But boy, does he do so much beyond what we can ever imagine. So I hope this, this is an encouragement for you to start something. Whether that is that prayer of saying, God, simply open my eyes to the people on my stage. Or if that is taking the next step of saying, okay, God, I, I have this person. I'm praying for them. Where's my action step? Where do I need to go? Because I believe if we become a church of people, who begin with prayer, we are going to see not only our own lives change, but the world around us change. Let's pray. Father, you are so good to bring us into the work that you're doing around us. Let us never take that for granted. God, I pray for those in this room who, who may not know um, who they're called to reach at this time. God, wipe away any guilt or shame that is involved with that, but empower them to start praying for their world around them, 
to be opened up like your eyes are opened up to them. God, I pray for those who are already praying for people around them. Would you show them the fruit of those prayers? Would you show them the interactions we've already had that you've been working through and bless the future interactions? And God, give us all wisdom and discernment as we continue or start to reach out to the world that you've placed in front of us. God, we love that you, you invite us in on this journey. God, convict us in areas where we've, we've fallen short. Remind us in areas where we're called to step up. And God, let us be an Ananias that, that hears your call and goes. God, you are so faithful to us to continue to speak to us. And as we gain knowledge in you, that brings you joy. Father, we thank you and we love you. In your name we pray. Amen.